So welcome back to, uh, actually, I guess I, can I welcome you back to a rebranded podcast? Now you may have noticed that you probably got really excited because you looked at your phone and there was this new podcast called Pointless Exercise. It was on there like, oh, this is going to, this really sounds great. And then you started listening to it and you realized it's just me. Um, it's the same Discipio podcast. I decided to actually give it like a real name instead. It's the most unoriginal thing ever seemed to be, well, it's just called the Discipio podcast. So Pointless exercise seems to be a uh, a name that encompasses uh, everything that this podcast and the Cubs and Chicago sports in general tend to be right now. So uh, the formal name, just to be uppity, is Pointless Exercise, a Decipio podcast. Kind of like the Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and Solo, a Star Wars story. And McClunky. I'll start. No, they didn't make that one yet. Um, so basically, I guess I could do a little housekeeping here at the top of the uh, first pot of the new year. I'd like to wish you all a happy new year. Uh, bringing it back, you can say happy new year again. I'm not worried about the Chinese. Um, it's it, New Year's was January first because this is America. So happy new year. Um, so a little housekeeping at the beginning. I'll tell you what the plan is for the near term here with the podcast. Um, Sam and Kyle and I are back starting next week with the Cub podcast. We took off, uh, I honestly, we didn't expect to take this much time off, but when they don't do anything, it makes it difficult to talk about them. But, uh, now it's, by then it's going to be the middle of January. Spring training is a month away. And the Cubs are busy trying to screw up their team, but the rest of the league, as of now, won't help them. So we're going to do that. Um, I've also started booking. I've got two booked. I've got a couple more uh, that we're working on. Uh, one-on-one interview podcasts. Uh, if you guys remember the one I did back in October with Kelly Dwyer, uh, where we talked about the NBA, and we talked about all the kinds of nonsense. Um, we're going to do more of that. We've got some people, some people you know, some people you might not know, uh, lined up. So uh, most weeks you're going to get two podcasts. You're going to get the Cub podcast, and you're going to get whoever I can rope in doing a a one-on-one podcast with me. Um, it also felt like another good reason to uh, to give this thing an actual name. So we're going to call it uh, Pointless Exercise. Um, so yeah, so that's basically the... Um, I assume it's good news uh, that we're back now, on a, back on a regular um, schedule. I took a couple of weeks off after the demise of that just mind-bogglingly frustrating Bears season. And now we can get ready for a mind-bogglingly frustrating Cubs season. So that's going to be fun. So this podcast is not going to be terribly long, um, but I felt like I've been away from you guys for too long and that you'd want to hear... Um, something. So I'm going to give you something. Uh, We'll keep it relatively short because honestly, some of these things I'm going to talk about briefly are things we're going to get into in depth next week with um, my, the first one-on-one guest. I'm going to make, going to leave you in suspense, but you're really going to like it. And then when uh, Sam and Kyle and I come back at the end of next week. Um, But I, I want to talk a little bit about, we've, 
I've been beating the the Cubs are morons to even consider trading Chris Bryant thing into the ground because I think it needs to be beaten into the ground. I don't understand it. I don't get it. You know, you spend as a as a baseball talent acquirer, evaluator, whatever you want to call Theo and those guys. You know, you live to find a player as good as Chris Bryant and to have one fall into your lap because uh, the Astros couldn't get enough Mark Appel. Um, and then with two years left on his rookie deal, I know it's an expensive rookie deal um, because he was a freaking rookie of the year and an MVP in his first two seasons. And he's really good and he costs money. Um, but this whole idea that um, the key to re- to rebuilding on the fly is to take your best player and ship him off and get prospects for him. You're dreaming on these prospects. You hope one turns out to be almost as good as Chris Bryant. It doesn't make any sense to give that guy up to try to get those players in return. Um, but I don't want to talk as I've talked about that a lot. I think it's just a terrible idea. Uh, but I want to talk about Cap. Uh, he wrote that thing for uh, NBC Sports Ch- Net Chicago dot com slash CompuServe whatever that whatever that is. Um, where he talked about he claimed he talked to five talent evaluators. So it's Jim Hendry and four other guys, or Jim Hendry five times. I don't know who he knows other than Jim Hendry. Tom Izzo, I'm sure. I'm sure one of them was Tom Izzo. Um, and Kevin O'Neill, the former uh, Marquette and uh, Northwestern head coach, who's one of his friends. So he's, he's talking to basketball guys, and probably Dan Dackage too. We probably talked to Dan. Uh, lump those guys in. And they were talking about how, um, to a man, they were telling him that Chris Bryant's overrated. He's not one of the 30th best players in the league. Uh, the reason the Cubs haven't done a trade yet is because they, they're they not getting what they want for him because the rest of the league is like, no, nah, this guy, he's just a big, tall, giraffe-looking MFer who can't really play third base, and uh, he's regressing. Look, you're, you're a smart person. You subscribe to this podcast. Um... This is all bullshit. Uh, Chris Bryant, before he got hurt last year, or his knee, was Chris Bryant again. He's 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He's a great player. Uh, he's an excellent third baseman. Um, and he can play either corner outfield spot. He can play first base if you need him to. It's it's all crap. And then this whole idea that I don't know who it was because I, I try not to listen to the score. Um, I, I assume it was... Spiegel, I could, Fels and I could talk about this at the end of the week. Um, they're back to the, well, the Cubs want to trade him because uh, he won't make swing adjustments and he won't listen. And he's, it's, that's also bullshit. That's people in the Cub organization trying to grease the skids. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the rails. What do you grease? Don't grease things. Fan, kids. Um, but they're trying to, um, they're trying to somehow make the dumbest of the Cub fans feel okay about this trade. They, they just don't want to pay him. They're afraid to get to his walk year and the number that Scott Boris is going to want. And but the thing about it is, they're only afraid because they just don't want to pay. It's not that they can't pay; it's that they don't want to pay it. Um. Chris Bryant, by all accounts, likes playing for the Cubs. He likes living in Chicago. And 
what he doesn't like is negotiating a contract that pays him less than he's worth just so he can stay someplace. He's going to want to be paid. If the Cubs will pay him what he's worth, he will stay. So this whole idea that they have to get something for him before he walks, that's also bullshit. If you pay him, he'll stay. They just don't want to pay him. This is all about the Cubs being cheap. This is as Sam calls them, the Omaha Hillbillies have decided, um, we won a World Series here. We did the thing nobody thought that they could do. And we don't need to go into the luxury tax. We don't need to do that. We can just squeeze every penny out of this franchise and out of these Rube fans of ours. Um, and we can keep our payroll. You know, we'll keep it high enough so that we're competitive, but we're not going to go overboard to, to keep all these guys. Pfft, that's expensive. We don't want to do that. Um, but this whole idea now that um, Bryant's not a great player anymore or that he's stubborn or whatever, it's, trust me, it's bullshit. It's just all about... They've decided that the guy they can get the most for is Bryant. They don't want to pay him anyway, so it seems like the, the right thing to do um, for them. It's not the right thing to do. It's the completely wrong thing to do. Um, but like I said, this is... We keep hearing that the, the grievance decision is uh, you know imminent. It's coming any day. It's going to come in a couple of weeks. It's going to come whenever. I, who knows? Um, when it comes, the Cubs will win the grievance because unless MLB has the worst lawyers in the world, the Cubs didn't break a rule. You know, it's collectively bargained that your service time is calculated this way. The Cubs sent him to Iowa for seven days because, uh, you know, he needed to work on his defense. When you got a superstar like Mike Olt, you know, why would you, why wouldn't you want Mike Olt to open the season at third base? Michael breaks his hand. The Cubs actually make him play a couple more days. That's the guy who ought to file the grievance. They wouldn't put Michael down the DL for two days because they they didn't want to bring Bryant up until <laughs> until his seven days had passed. The wrong guy filed the grievance. It shouldn't be Chris Bryant. Uh, but the Cubs didn't break any rules. They're going to win. The, 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 the decision is going to be in their favor. He's going to have two years left, and then these morons are going to trade him. Um, and then I can get really mad. But uh, that's probably enough. The um, the other thing, the convention is coming up, not this weekend, but the weekend after that. I am a veteran of, I want to say, I think I've been to six Cub conventions. Um, and I, it's, it's not a, how do I want to put this? It's not a terrible event. <laughs> the first one or two you go to, it's pretty cool, actually. Uh, but then you start to see the seams as you go back. And the last few that I went to, I didn't actually go to the convention. Um, I just went and we drank in the in the bar first at Shitty OKs when it was at uh, Hilton. And then at, uh, what is it, Lizzie McGuire's is at the bar that's across from the Sheraton. Um, you know, it's a chance to meet the guys who cover the Cubs and... Uh, bloggers and just fans and guys that you know, that I knew from doing this. It was that was a lot of fun. The event itself is um it could use some freshening in a lot of ways. Um, you know, some of the sessions could be redone. A lot of the attendees could use some freshening, like lawn. They could maybe do laundry, wash their hair. Um, <laughs> it's there's an interesting group. And it is true. One of my one of my favorite things to do is to write a preview of the convention. I wrote it on the Athletic last week. Um, 
because I will never, I could live to be a thousand, I will never run out of cup convention jokes. But one of the things, last year the Ricketts family ditched their family panel, um, and as suspected, they're not doing it again this year. Now they claim, Tom claims, that it was the lowest rated panel, uh, fans weren't getting much out of it, so why continue to do it? We know that's, it. yes, it's it was a terrible panel, because they're they're boring people, um, but it was nice for the fans to actually have access to talk to the owners, or in this case, the uh, kids whose dad bought the team for them, uh, and it, it's, it was nice to actually have ownership that would uh, pretend to play nice with the fans for 45 minutes and answer some of their questions. Well, I mean, we know why they didn't want to do it last year. They didn't want to answer any of the Addison Russell questions, so they just ditched it. This year... They don't want to talk about, are you trading Chris Bryant? Why won't you increase the payroll? Why are you so afraid of the, of the pretend boogeyman luxury tax, which really doesn't amount to much? Um, hey, I heard Daddy's selling the family business for $26 billion. Um, could you throw maybe, how about, how about half a billion to the gums? <laughs> you could put together a pretty good team with, you know, uh, one fifty-second of the uh, sale price of your of your family business. Um, so they're ducking it again. Um, it's not a surprise. We're never going to see them again. They're never going to sit down and do one of those panels again. Um, but if you got the right set of questions, it would that would be immensely fun. Like, it would be fun if somebody would go there and actually, like, read from the emails that Splinter got, you know, about how insecure the Cub siblings were, and we had Tom complaining that, uh, or we had Todd complaining that um, his kids and Tom's kids go to the same school, but the other kids didn't know that Todd's kids' dad owned the Cubs. They only thought Tom's, the Tom's kids' dads owned the Cubs. That's not making any sense. Then you had the whole thing with Laura complaining to Dad that Tom is the one who always does all the interviews and all that stuff. Well, the good news for them was, all of a sudden, there was just a raft of bad news about the Cubs. I mean, they were bungling everything. Um, You know, we had the... You had the Aroldis Chapman thing, which, obviously, that was embarrassing, but then you win the World Series and everybody, you know, that goes away. But then the next year you have... um, You uh, trade for for, uh, Daniel Murphy... And all of a sudden, oh crap, that's right, we forgot, he's a homophobe. And then, not long after that, Addison Russell, who actually already, the rumors had come out about domestic abuse because of a social media post. Well, now, here we are down the stretch drive, and he's suspended. Um, then, hey, Dad is an Islamophobe, and we've got emails to prove it. And then, oh look, all the kids are, you know, whiny assholes, and we've got emails to prove that. Um... And on and on and on, it's it's amazing. This is a team. This is a, the, this is an ownership group that did the thing that nobody thought could ever happen. They were the owners of the Cubs when the Cubs won the World Series. We had 108 years for it. Generations of Cub fans were doing the whole. Just please win once. We just want to see it. They did it. Three years later, all that immense amount of goodwill was gone. It's mind-boggling how badly they've bungled this. And I would like them to sit up there and try to <laughs> explain it. Because it's amazing. The other thing that, I, that they're going to have to talk about, uh, although who knows with this bunch, 
But this is supposed to be the Cup Convention where you get everybody fired up about this thing they've been waiting for forever. This, we want to own our own TV network, and it's going to be all us. And, you know, you can just sit and have a huge Cubsgasm and just watch Cub stuff 24 hours a day, and it's going to be awesome. And we're just going to rake in cash, and it's here. Sometime next month, they're going to launch the Jason Marquis Network. Jason, is that where they named it after? Um, and... <laughs> Hopefully for them, at the Cub Convention, they're going to announce a, another group of carriage deals. Because right now, um, they've done a fairly decent job. Um, I'm a guy who has DirecTV, and they worked out a deal with DirecTV. Basically, Sinclair did. I mean, they sold their soul to this um, to work with this, you know, vast right-wing ownership group, which actually fits in with all but one of the Ricketts kids. Um, and... Sinclair, who owns a crap load of local stations all over the country, they own the Tennis Channel, Big Whoop, they own Stadium, but then they bought all those other um, regional sports networks, and a bunch of them were up for renewal with AT&T, DirecTV, and they were able to work out that deal, so they have a lot of leverage, and cram uh, marquee down DirecTV's throat, so for those of us who have DirecTV, we're set, and launch day, whatever the hell that is, we get to watch. Uh, Mediacom, which is a big deal, especially in rural areas. Um, uh, the, 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 I know for a fact the northwest corner of the state, a lot of people who have cable have Mediacom. Iowa, a lot of people have Mediacom. Um, you get a little farther into the central Illinois, they have it. They have a deal with them, so that's good. Uh, they have a deal with Charter, uh, which nationally is huge, but it's not quite as big a footprint here, but still, it's good. Um, but they're missing Comcast, which in Chicago is a lot of people have Comcast. And the delicious irony, unless you're a Cub fan who just wants to be able to watch the damn team on TV, is you know the Cubs bailed on. They opted out. They did. You know they had the right to do it. They opted out of their ownership of uh, what used to be Comcast Sportsnet and then now NBC Sportsnet Chicago, uh, so they could start this. Um, their own network, and so now the the owners of that channel are is that's the key carrier that they need to work out a deal with. So if you're Comcast, how motivated are you really to have to charge your customers more money so you can carry a direct competitor, which is what they are now? I mean, they have they have these delusions that you know the White Sox are going to be better. The delusion that the White Sox are going to be better, they are going to be better. Uh, but the delusions that there's all these Sox fans or people who are on the fence, they're just going to become Sox fans if they if they can't watch the Cubs, they're just going to watch the White Sox. Well, you know, Chicago is not, it's not a 50-50 town. There's not 50% Sox fans, 50% Cub fans. It's it's four or five to one Cubs fans. Sox fans are, are you know loud. <laughs> so it seems like there's more of them. And a disproportionate number of them um, host shows on uh, Chicago Sports Radio. So you feel like there's more of them than there are. Uh, from a business standpoint, it would eventually we'll get to a point where Comcast is like, well, this is stupid. We should just carry the stupid Cubs. But they're going to make them sweat. And um, as somebody who has um, you know, I, I've met Crane a couple of times um, he, I don't know him. I, I wouldn't even want to pretend to say that I know him. 
I might have been passing a couple of times in my life. But you get the the aura that he gives off is the guy who thinks he knows a lot more than he really does. He's he's in two words, he's a haughty dipshit. And he's the guy in charge of this. He the irony of it, of course, is that um they used to complain that they were hamstrung because they had such terrible deals with um WGN TV and WGN Radio. Well, Crane was the guy who negotiated those. And somehow we found out in those splinter emails that he got, that he came with the team. It was like they had to agree to take him. And the fact that he's still around just doesn't make any sense. So if, if he ends up um, getting his lunch handed to him in this whole deal, uh, that'll be worth it. It's easy for me to say because um, the Cubs are going to be on my TV. Although, unless they start to actually improve this roster... I don't know that it may be better off if if you're one of the Comcast households who can't see them. Um, but I would guess that, I just say this, it would be very surprising to me. I think there's almost no chance that the big announcement at the convention next week is that they've got to deal with Comcast. Uh, to me, I think spring training is going to start and they're not going to have a deal with Comcast. Spring training is probably going to end and they're not going to have a deal with Comcast. Opening day is going to come and gone, and they're not going to have Comcast. And sometime after that, they're going to work one out. But I, I just get the, the smacks of the season starts, and a huge percentage of Cub fans in Chicago can't watch their team, which it was almost inevitable when this clown show decided to launch their own network. Uh, so anyway, we'll talk a lot about more about this next week uh, when I have other people to uh, tell me that I'm wrong <laughs> about all of it. Um, but speaking of Cap, uh, he had this breathless report today that he's got he's got it. He's got it down cold now. The Bulls are finally ready to do a massive shakeup of the organization, to which I say, I don't think that's right. <laughs> should they? Of course they should. They should have a long time ago. This idea that Jerry Reinsdorf gives these jobs to people for life, you know, it's... It's it's confounding to me that um, the way he runs, you know, his teams. And, of course, John Paxson shouldn't be the... I don't even know what Paxson's president is. I'm sure he's vice president of basketball operations. He might even help for all I know. He's the president. Um, well, I actually think Michael Reinsdorf's title is president. So he's probably the vice president of basketball operations. And then whatever the hell Gar is, you know, chief ghoul. You know, I don't, I don't know. And then the dumbest coach in the history of the NBA. Basketball Bevington. Um, Jim Boylan, who is could, he actually gets dumber. You would think as, with as he gets more experience as an NBA head coach, he would start to get better at. It. He literally seems to be getting worse. Now he's just firing off timeouts left and right. And wait a minute, I don't have any more. Can I buy some? No, you you do not get to buy extra timeouts. There are no in-app purchases on the sidelines. Sorry, Jim, you're out. Um, but honestly, even if he other than stopping the clock and maybe advancing the ball, timeouts with him are useless because what is he telling these people? They've got, you know, their their best player has regressed terribly, Larry Markinen. Their second best player is a guy who thinks he's their best player, um, Zach Levine, and is just, um, you know, I, I really want to like him. I really do. Seems like a nice guy. He's a tremendous athlete, but you can't win with him. He takes the worst possible shot at the wrong time. Um, he's one of those guys who doesn't pass, doesn't pass, doesn't pass, and then all of a sudden surprises a teammate in a key moment with a pass. And they're like, well, you've, you've never done this. And now all of a sudden, you're going to bounce the ball off my head out of bounds with four seconds left in the game. 
you know, thanks a lot. Um, you know, they do they need a shakeup? Of course they do. They need a they need an actual basketball operations department. They pride themselves on having a small department. Well, it just means they have just few people with small little ideas that are mostly wrong. Um, you know, they need an actual, they need a coach who actually knows how to coach. It would be nice if he had somebody in here with some kind of um, resume of winning to help attract, you know, players to come play in Chicago. The, the whole idea that players don't want to come anymore because the Bulls mistreated Michael Jordan, that, you know, time took care of that. It wasn't true anyway, but um, that's so far in the past now that I can't imagine it's still a thing. Um, guys want to go where they're going to get a lot of money. Bulls just need to be willing and flexible enough to do that. Um, so let's hope that they, they're they actually going to... Uh, um, that there's going to be a shakeup, but I just can't believe it. We've, we've, we've been down this road before where uh, Jerry has let out rumblings that he's ready to make a change, and we never get a change. Um, you know, the big upgrade was, uh, we got rid of Fred Hoiberg, who couldn't wear a tie because it would give him a heart attack. And now we got Jim Boylan, who, when he puts a tie on, looks like his head is about to pop. That's, that was the upgrade that they made. I just don't think that's, that's enough. Um, I feel like we, we beat the Bears season to death on the, the Bears pods that I did with Mike and Kyle all winter, which I, were a lot of fun. Um... So I don't know there's much to add. The, the, the postseason press conference where they went out of their way to reassure everybody that Mitch is the quarterback was just... just. Yeah. I hope they didn't mean it. I feel like Ryan Pace is lying to us all the time anyway, so hopefully he was there. Um, but the, the sheer fact that they're afraid to make it sound like much less give him competition. They're afraid to even make it sound like they're going to think about it. It just shows how mentally fragile Mitch is. And if he's that mentally fragile, you're never going to win with him. You know, if every other position on your team you have competition for but not quarterback, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but we'll see what they do. All right, so I wanted to wrap this up. I said I'd keep this short, so we're going to keep it about a half hour. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things that I'm either going to watch or I did watch um, so that you, if you haven't seen them, you also can. So I'm, I'm looking for, it's weird to say I'm looking forward to it, but I think it looks like it's going to be really good. Uh, Netflix has a Aaron Hernandez documentary that starts next week as, I don't know if you can hear that, but one of my dogs has decided that he's going to go crazy for, he does this for about five minutes. He's three years old. You think he, his energy would, he keeps energy up for more than three minutes. Luke? Anyway. Uh, so Netflix has a three-part Aaron Fernandez documentary. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, um, you can either you go about this however you want. You can either just watch the Netflix documentary next week and then do this, or you can do this before because you've got time. Uh, the Boston Globe, I think it was last fall, it was last year, um, did a podcast series, their Spotlight team, made famous from the movie of the same name, Spotlight, um, did a podcast on <laughs> on Aaron Hernandez. Uh, it was called Gladiator. They did it last year. It's amazing. So 
you know, obviously you should just be subscribing to this podcast. But uh, speaking speaking of Gladiator, I have two thirty pound dogs growling at each other. And the guys, so it's called Gladiator. Um, it's really good, and I learned all kinds of stuff. Disturb most of it disturbing about Aaron Hernandez that I'm sure will be covered in the Netflix deck. So it's up to you if you want to you want to hear about all the stuff first and then see it, or you want to see it and then I'm, the the Globe one I think will go into even more detail, so you can watch that. Um, it's a documentary on Netflix called American Factory that the Obamas helped um, produce. Actually, I don't know if they really helped produce it. I think their little production company wrote a check for a documentary that I think was pretty much already done. Um, but it's about a um, it's about a uh, a auto plant in Ohio that gets shut down. Uh, GM closes it. And then this uh, Chinese company, a couple of years later, buys the building and is going to make auto glass in it. And it's the... So it, it deals with um, American workers working for a Chinese company, the, the expectations of the Chinese company. Um, it's really good. It's kind of sad at times, but it's, it's really good. I re- highly recommend American Factory. And then the last one is, uh, if you have HBO, uh, you can either find it when it's on or just go to HBO Go. But it's, it's a documentary called um, They Shall Not Grow Old. Peter Jackson of, uh, of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and King Kong and um, Lovely Bones and all that stuff. Um, he, he did this documentary. It has a lot of archive footage of uh, World War I. Uh, some of it isn't even footage. They found a way to take um, still photos or series of photos and colorize them and animate them and add sound to them. And then there's these amazing interviews that the um, um, some historical society in Britain had done you know, years ago. These first-person accounts of soldiers and what it was like in World War I. And, um, there is no narrator. The, the guys, the actual soldiers... Are the they tell the story as it goes along? It's it's amazing. It's a it's a great documentary. Um, I can't imagine the fresh hell that any war is, but a, World War One really does seem that it was. It was kind of that weird time between um, the old way of fighting and the new technologies, the new horrible you know technologies of killing people more efficiently were starting to come in, and that was kind of the first. Um, the first confluence of all that. Um, and then, of course, we've got uh, 1917 uh, comes out this weekend, um, the Sam Mendes um, movie about World War One, And so you can just go on a World War One binge um, and start with uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. So anyway, uh, Happy New Year. I just thought I'd check in. Got exciting things coming up on the podcast here over the next few weeks, and hopefully we'll carry it through the entire year. Uh, get used to the name change. It's a pointless exercise. Um, and I'm glad you're subscribing. And I hope you keep it up. Keep it that way. So I will uh, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot.